Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Nobody. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family, the site manager over at Denver Stiffs, and I am here to talk to you about a couple things, but one of which being just Game 3 strategies, what the Nuggets are probably going to do, what makes the most sense with guarding the Golden State Warriors, and something that Denver may not have tried already that they're going to have to try pretty soon and get a little creative as the Warriors have just rolled through this series so far. And then I'm going to talk about whether Denver's kind of at a breaking point or not. And and I I want to use that as my second segment, just because I think you'll, you'll understand it when I get there. But I do think that given the, the, reality that this season has been pretty disappointing. I want to talk about what the fallout might be, uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves here. So, But first, let's talk about Game 3. Let's talk about what Denver is going to do. I actually wasn't able to attend practice today. I had another meeting that I had to go to. But I, I know at practice today, Michael Malone made a reference to finding a spark plug off the bench. If it's Faku Campazo and it doesn't work, that sucks. That's uh, it's, uh, too bad. Like because Denver should have as many resources off their bench as they possibly can. Go to whatever to see if it will work. And if it's Faku and it doesn't work, it, that sucks. If it's Faku and it works, that's great. It's going to be awful for my mentions, to be clear. And and that's a whole nother can of worms. But I do think that Faku might play. I think that especially in front of the home crowd, Denver might be in a position where they want to just go for the variance plays, see if Faku can chase around everybody that he needs to chase around. Uh, It also could just be like starting Bones Highland or something like that, maybe play him a little bit more. Although what I will say is I don't think that Denver is going to be changing their starting lineup anytime soon. Actually, well, I mean, they might. But I personally wouldn't, and here's why. Until Kevon Looney is removed from the Warriors' starting lineup, Denver still has a chance with their bigger group. On one side, you have Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and then two of Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, or Steph Curry. Steph's been coming off the bench. I can't imagine how long that that continues for. He will probably get back into the starting lineup. And if that is in place of Andrew Wiggins, then maybe Denver still has to go smaller. But if it's in place of Jordan Poole, then Denver can probably still maintain their big lineup and just have Monte Morris be the one who chases around Steph. 
And will that work? Probably not. But Denver, they're, they still have ways that they can counter that on the offensive end while Kevon Looney is still out there. But if Kevon Looney is not out there, then Denver probably has to change up their scheme. They probably have to change up what they're doing with their starting unit. And more importantly, when Golden State ends up going to that death lineup, Denver has played big for the entire time. They've played Aaron Gordon at the three, Jeff Green at the four, and Nikola Jokic at the five. Now, I don't think you're taking Nikola Jokic off the floor. I don't think that's viable. I think that Denver has to figure this thing out with Nikola Jokic. He is the lifeblood of their offense. And if you can't score, then you're in a really bad place. He is getting torched defensively with that group. It's not all his fault. Like, there's definitely things that people behind him could be doing better. But Jokic is also not doing as great of a job as he probably could be. So, get smaller, play three guards as opposed to two forwards, and just go out there with probably Monte Morris, Will Barton, Bones Highland, or Austin Rivers, one of those two. Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. And you also could go Jeff Green in place of Aaron Gordon. Because let's face it, Gordon has been really, really bad. So you might as well try some things. You might as well look to different areas on the roster and different things that you haven't tried within your rotation and see if that will work at home. Now, here are some overall things that Denver is probably not going to improve upon in this series. Their shooting talent and their defensive personnel. Those are the two things that really stand out to me. Without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr., Denver's got the shooters that they've got. And sure, you can play Bryn Forbes a little bit more, but then your defense kind of goes down. You could play Bones Highland a little bit more, and your defense probably goes down in that case too. So there are trade-offs for sure. But right now, Denver probably has to, like they've, they've got to figure out what that valuable trade-off is. And so maybe it is playing a little bit more Bones. Maybe it is playing a little bit more Bryn Forbes. Austin Rivers, as long as he's playing in a three-guard lineup, that makes some sense too. But the defensive personnel thing is really what we need to talk about here. I don't know if you guys were watching tonight's game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls, but Alex Caruso is just absolutely everywhere for the Bulls. Obviously, he doesn't have to chase around Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole, and that might look a little bit differently if he did. But there are valuable things in in just having smart, high IQ, athletic, intelligent defenders. And Denver probably doesn't have enough of those guys to really make a difference against an elite offense. Sorry, the autoplay feature is not a good feature for the ESPN box score application. Um... But what Alex Caruso was doing for the Bulls and what Lonzo was doing before that, just just when he was out there and healthy, there are a lot of players that are perimeter stoppers that can really make an impact all over the court. It doesn't just have to be on the perimeter. They can help as interior defenders. It can help as switch defenders. You can be in the post. There's just a lot of different ways 
that these incredibly capable guards can make their their voices heard and make make just a strong level of impact. Look at Marcus Smart. Look no further than him. Denver's probably going to need to get some guys like that in the offseason. That's something that, like, it's easier said than done, obviously. But in order to approach this series from a healthy perspective next year, you're probably going to need to upgrade your defensive personnel. But that's something that they can't worry about in Game 3. They've got to worry about what they can control. And the biggest thing that they can control is the rotations against the Warriors' death lineup. I just mentioned it. Playing Aaron Gordon at the three is death against the death lineup. It's like transported back to 2005 or 2006. There's just no reason to do it. The Warriors are playing light years ahead, and you're playing light years behind. Denver's got to figure out a better way to attack a dynamic group. Now, do you have enough guards in order to make it happen? You've got Faku, who you haven't played. You have Bones, who he has been very erratic in his minutes, and Michael Malone hasn't fully gone to him yet. Pretty sure he's been sub-20 in both of his games. And that's probably has something to do with the defense while he's out there. Like there's there's some things that he can't do. But Denver has to be able to score. They have to put pressure on Golden State. If they don't put pressure on Golden State, then they're probably dead. So Bones out there, good idea. Bryn Forbes out there, probably a good idea. Stagger them with Monte, with Will Barton. And then Austin Rivers, he's got to play better. If he does play better, maybe Denver has a better chance. I wonder if Denver cuts Jamichael Green or DeMarcus Cousins from the rotation. Denver, like, it, it, honestly, like, here's the thing. When Nemanja when Bielitsa has been on the court against DeMarcus Cousins, the Nuggets have actually been fairly good. They've been really good, actually. They've done their job. They've figured out the best ways to really attack that group. DeMarcus has been a pretty good offensive player when he's not getting ejected. And Denver's actually won those minutes in a lot of ways. Now, last game, Michael Malone left that group out there for too long. And when Draymond Green actually came back on the floor, that group got slammed. But there are still ways for Denver to use those guys and not necessarily just cut them out entirely. But I do think that based off of what uh, Michael Malone was talking about today with a spark plug off the bench, potentially going to players that haven't played yet. I think there's a possibility that Faku plays or Zeke Naji plays or Vlako Chanchar plays or somebody like that. And maybe they play in place of Jermichael Green or DeMarcus Cousins and Denver goes smaller. It's also possible that Jeff Green just plays like the first six minutes of each half and then doesn't play again. Because he hasn't been good against the death lineup either. And I've just been really disappointed with his overall involvement at his size and what he should be able to do against some of these guys. He's just not really taking advantage of the size advantage that he has. So it is what it is. I think if you're Denver, you have to go creative. You have to go in a variety of different directions with the sole hope 
of kind of junking up the game a little bit and getting the Warriors off of their absolute role that they've been on. You might not be able to stop it. It's very possible that the Warriors score and then they put up like 18, 19, 20 threes or something around there. But you have to be better protecting the rim. You have to be better blitzing at the three-point line. And if that means switching and having Jokic out on the perimeter, then so be it. But everybody else behind him has to be able to rotate. And if Jokic can be a little bit more confident in those situations, and if Denver can trust him a little bit more, then maybe they can be better defensively. Offensively, is just it's just a different story entirely. Can Joker solve Draymond? Can the best center in the NBA, not the one who hit the buzzer beater three, falling out of bounds against the Toronto Raptors on their home court today? That was a, uh, man, life is just sometimes not fair. Um, Not that guy, but can Nikola Jokic, when going up against the best defender of this generation, can Nikola Jokic solve Draymond Green? Or at least can he put a chink in the armor? Because Draymond is completely, like he he showed last game that he was completely in Jokic's head. That Jokic had broke. And I understand the frustration. I understand that he if he feels like he's not getting calls, then obviously you're going to be upset about it because that's making you look bad when you feel like it's an illegal thing. But I don't know, folks. Like, I just think that Jokic has to fight through that and he's got to prove it without getting the foul calls because the only way that he's going to earn back anybody's respect in this series is if he scores through around and over the top of Draymond Green. That's just the simple truth of it. If if he can't do that, then he's not going to get the foul calls in subsequent games. And if they don't win on Thursday, then Sunday might be coming quickly and a quick exit might be coming as well. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully Denver figures it out. And I would like to see Michael Malone get very creative with his rotations on Thursday night because if he doesn't, then I think there are a lot of criticisms that can be made. You might as well just throw something at the wall. You might as well go in and approach it with a game plan where you incorporate some of these faster-paced either younger or more athletic or more agile players and just go forward with that, coach them up as best you can and see what sticks. If he does it and if the Nuggets have a solid showing, then that will go a long way in my eyes. If they fall flat on their face... That will go a long way in other people's eyes of being able to discount Denver going forward. Because even when you get your healthy guys back, even when you have a fully stacked deck for you, teams know that they can get in on the mental side of the Nuggets. 
And as long as they crack their mental, then they are always vulnerable. So Denver's got to be able to rise above that. They've got to be able to figure it out. It starts with Nikola. He's got to set the example. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the breaking point or the potential 4-1 for this Nuggets franchise. We'll be right back. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in i uh, really appreciate all the love and support on these podcasts folks uh, some of these download numbers i've had over the last few days are the highest i've ever had on the pod other than when denver came back from 3-1 twice against the la clippers and and that was with uh with nuggets numbers of course um actually was it gosh no, it was. It was. I so time is a flat circle. It blends all together. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting just seeing the fallout on Twitter after game two and, and sort of being a part of that and seeing what people were saying, seeing how analysts react, uh, seeing how fans reacted and the tensions were running high for everybody. Let's be honest. And I can only really compare it than the feeling that I had to game three in the bubble where Denver went down two to one against the Utah Jazz and Jamal Murray was playing in that one and, and Denver obviously came back and figured it out. But the feeling in game or after game three and, and Jokic basically like quit on that one and he was in a bad space. And the Nuggets were in a bad space defensively. It felt like they were doing everything that they can to lose the game. And it was just one of those moments as a fan base where you you reflect. and You've got the one-off day between then and game four. And I remember thinking and talking with various folks. Be like, man, there could be some really big changes this offseason. Some really, really big changes. Whether it's. Michael Malone getting fired, whether it's Jamal Murray being traded, whether uh, Michael Porter was actually anything good and, and if Denver was going to have to move him for something of substance. And uh, yeah, no, we're just going to have to figure out what's going down. And, and then Denver played game four of that series and they lost, but Murray put up 50. It was fighting and everything. Then Denver wins game five. They win game six. They win game seven. And at that point, things felt a lot better, obviously. Coming back from down 3-1 is just very impressive. But then it was capped off by the fact that Denver did it again. And the momentum and the belief in the fan base for the players was just at an all-time high. It was probably the most it was it was the most incredible moment I've had covering the team. And second place being the 2001500 night. 
But now we're in this situation again where tensions are running high and the Nuggets are chirping at each other on the, and after game two. People are not necessarily acquitting themselves well. Jokic looks very frustrated, just like he did in game three against Utah. And things were looking really bad. I also think that some of these injury absences, because they're dominating the conversation, are making things even worse from a breaking point perspective where the organization and the players clearly don't appear to be on the same page. And you've got guys that want to come back and are being prevented from. And you've got guys that are a little bit skeptical of coming back. And people are upset with him. And that is a really tough place for any franchise to be. Because Tenford would love to have all hands on deck, but they also have to think about their present and their future at the same time. And so in the present, when you're feeling like you're just being absolutely thrashed and abused, you would love to be able to latch onto something for help, and Denver just hasn't been able to do that. Jokic hasn't really verbalized this, but I also think it's pretty clear that he's lost a lot of the joy that he generally feels and generally strives for, I think, when playing right now. Because Denver's had these goals to get to the playoffs, to make sure that they could get there, and... Jokic has had to carry them for so much of the regular season that there wasn't ever really a break point. There wasn't ever really a moment of release and of enjoyment. I think game 81 is probably the closest thing to that, the 2000-1500 night, where everybody's smiling, everybody's enjoying themselves, cracking jokes, and you could feel the the weight be lifted off their shoulders. But now the weight's back on. And there's no Murray to take it off. There's no Porter to space the floor a little bit better. It's on Jokic. And it's on a supporting cast that is clearly severely outmatched. That's a really tough place to be. It's just tough. Like, there's, there's no... There's no blame in this. I talked about this last night. There's no blame game in this. It's not anybody's fault that we're here. Sometimes bad things happen to good franchises. And you hope that just going into the summer, you can remedy everything by just stepping back and realizing that you're really good when you're together and you're healthy. Now, Number one, what is the best remedy for a team that appears more irritated with each other than ever before? There are a couple of ways to do it. One of them is just to take a break, is just to get away, have a heart-to-heart at one point, but then just take a vacation, get away from basketball for a little bit, realize that it was a really tough year. And stepping away from that and taking a step back and really realizing that, it'll probably help make everybody realize that, man, if we get the better breaks going forward, then things could be a lot more fun. 
but we didn't get good breaks. We got bad breaks. And that's why everybody feels so awful. Now, there's a couple of other remedies, one of which being you trade the people that are unhappy. But that's like a, I would consider that more of a last resort remedy just because you would prefer to do it with the group that you have, with the group that you believe in, and figure things out around that group. And here's the thing. In diagnosing the issues, health and perimeter defense around the current core appear to be the thing that people are just hoping for. That's the that's the most important thing. And if you get that, then you're going to be okay. But I think it's fair to question who the current core is right now. Who is the core? Who are the players that you're counting on that you believe are going to be the foundational pieces? I think there are four people still. I think that Denver's – I've always sort of believed this, that the, the contracts really told this story. Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Gordon. Jokic, obviously, still needs to sign a Supermax. But if he does sign it, then you've got all of these guys – that are locked up for several years, that are still going to be great for a long time. And just practicing together, playing together. The Warriors didn't become great immediately. They needed some time to develop. They needed some time to go through their own bumps and bruises. You think Aaron Gordon would like to play with Michael Porter Jr. again? You think he'd love to play with Jamal Murray for more than four or five games, however long he played with him? Yeah. That might change the way that Aaron Gordon plays the basketball game. So, I think optimists would say that playing those guys together and improving the defense around them is good enough to win. Pessimists would say that it's not enough and that there are fundamental flaws with that core group that aren't just going to be solved if Denver's problems, uh, given that they have some perimeter defense issues, given that they have maybe injury is always going to be ever-present with that group and they're never going to get on the court together. There's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic, but I think there are still reasons to be optimistic too. So, we've talked about this before. Denver has to find a way to improve the perimeter defense. And unless they do that, the breaking point will probably include core members of the team. I think you can improve the perimeter defense even while Michael Porter Jr. is on the roster, even while Nikola Jokic is on the roster. I think you can add players to that group that are going to be helpful. I think something's got to give, though, and that probably means you've got to trade Will Barton. It might even mean you have to trade Monte Morris or Bones Highland, somebody like that. And those guys being fall guys in this situation is really, really tough. It's tough. But you got to give something to get something. I also think that on top of the perimeter defense, 
Denver needs a big man on the roster that can play next to Nikola Jokic at the four and in place of Nikola Jokic at the five. And this player should be foundational for their championship vision. What we have seen from the Nuggets is that when Jokic goes off the floor, they don't have any rim protection behind him. They don't have any offense behind him. So whoever they add to that particular position, this four or five hybrid, whatever it is, got to find somebody who plays defense. And then the offense, you've just got to take care of with the guys that you have on the roster and you stagger and you do a whole bunch of different things and whatnot. But you can build a championship vision. You can build it with this group. The hope is that this group doesn't break before then. Is that everybody lets cooler heads prevail and that in a situation right now where everybody's probably, their temper's running hot, everybody's feeling some kind of way, the team is better together and better healthy than they are separated and apart. Michael Malone, he's locked up for the next three years. 2022-23, 2023-24, 2024-25. Obviously, that really only means this year and next year because coaches don't coach on lame duck years. But he's probably not going anywhere. Tim Connolly, probably not going anywhere. He wants to see this thing through. He wants to see through his vision. Nikola Jokic, as long as he signs the Supermax... He's probably not going anywhere either. Murray, Porter, Gordon, they're under contract too. Is it naive for Nuggets fans to believe that they could compete with for a title with that group? Maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think that we saw it. I think that people quickly forget. And it's really, really easy to criticize a group when they're not at full strength. And when core members of the group aren't at full strength. Denver's been playing with two out of their four core guys. Obviously, the best guy being there has carried the season, has carried them to that place. If Murray's out there in place of Jokic, maybe they win 41 games. They don't get to 48, though. If uh, Murray's out there in place of Gordon, they probably get to 50, 51 games, maybe 52. If Porter is out there and Murray, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic are all out there, Denver might have won at least 55 games this year. They probably aren't in a position where they're playing the Golden State Warriors in the first round. I bet people feel a whole heck of a lot different about what's going on. So, is it naive to think that Denver can compete for a title? No. And because of that, why is there so much angst among a fan base and a desperate need to blame people when the foundations of that plan aren't on the court? This year sucked. It really did. Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP, and it's my least favorite year of covering the team that I've ever had. That being said, Life will go on. Jamal Murray will be healthy again. Michael Porter will be healthy again. 
Look at what Joel Embiid just did tonight. Michael Porter is not going to be on the pine for the rest of his career. At some point, he's going to play. He'll probably figure out how to play through pain a little bit. And if Denver wants to have any chance of winning, then they're going to have to add around those guys this summer. Not next summer. Not seeing if they can just keep the same group going into next summer. They've got to add to this group this year. Or else they will have a breaking point. That's my opinion. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Nobody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the program. As always, I'll be at the game on Thursday night, game three. And we will see whether Denver can actually put together a win against the Golden State Warriors. I think it's possible. I think that they've got a chance over the course of Game 3 or Game 4. In order, And if they do get a win, then it will feel really, really good. Denver will be in a really good place. Even if they just put up a fight. I don't think Nuggets fans are asking for Denver to beat the Golden State Warriors in a full series. But just don't get swept like last year. That's where we're at with this. That's about it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I'll be back tomorrow.